When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and we're officially one week into the WNBA season, so really excited to talk about that today. And to do so, I'm joined with by Aaron Barzilai. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? I am doing okay. I think I'm doing better than Cheryl Reeve and the Minnesota Lynx. <laughs> yeah, we're just coming off of that crazy uh, 8 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern game from tonight. I mean, the Lynx looked like they had it in the bag going into the fourth quarter. They're up 10, and then I don't, like, I still feel like I'm processing what happened, but Seattle somehow scored 37 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> 37 to 15 in the fourth yeah just insane and they come out with a 12 point win so just like what a performance from from seattle there absolutely insane yeah they they won the second half 57 to 30 which if you think about it is just crazy um and uh yeah i think they were down 19 in in the first half uh seattle was and so they finished by 12 so it's a 31 point swing yeah, and mostly by their backcourt, too. Like, I think people's, like, automatic assumption would probably be that, like, Brianna Stewart went off, but that's not really what happened. I think it was Rachel Galgan tweeted that their backcourt scored 60 points between Jewel Lloyd, Jordan Canada, and Super, and 60 at the, the Storm's 90 total points came from those three. So, just really, really impressive. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they played it. Jordan, uh, she had, uh, Jordan Canada had 16 points and just, uh, you know, 20, 20 and a half minutes. So 
pretty impressive. And I mean, as a team, right, I think I don't have in front of me what their shooting was in the first half, uh, but I recall that it wasn't great. But yeah, they finished. They shot 50% or 49% from the field. The Storm did. They ended up shooting 12 of 25, 48% uh, from uh, from deep, right, which makes a big difference. And so, you know, just ultimately, I guess, uh, talent uh, won out. But um, yeah, it was pretty remarkable game. Uh, it was great to see them on uh, NBA TV with the dulcet tones of uh, Sloan Martin calling the game, friend of uh, the program, friend of her hoop stats, really uh, enjoying her work. She was all over it, by the way, on that um, uh, Tarasi yeah. kind of three with the <laughs> clock stopped, uh, you know, whatever. It's all a blur, right? Last week, but mm-hmm. we haven't talked since then. But uh, I went back and rewatched it as it was happening because, you know, I timed it and we had 12 minutes for that replay. <laughs> and so there was plenty of time to look back and she called it live. She's like, the clock has stopped. And then Tarasi pulled up uh, yeah. to take the three. So she she knew what was going on there. Go Sloan. Yeah, I've been I've watched, I think, all three of the like the links home games so far that she's called. And it's just like remarkable how well she's able to call them just completely by herself. Like she yeah. like you're so used to having two voices and she just does it all. And so seamlessly. It's so, it's so impressive. Yes. Especially because uh, I don't think she sounds like a Lynx Homer, at least on the NBA TV broadcast, no. right? Despite working for Lynx Radio. <laughs> no, she does a good job of keeping it. <laughs> so anyhow, so that's been a personal highlight to hear uh, her playing, but obviously uh, bigger highlights to see, um, you know, some of the performances uh, on the floor tonight. So um, yeah, Sue Bird, right. Ended up with eight assists, 20, said 21 yeah. points. Uh, yeah, five for nine from three. So, and eight assists to just two turnovers. So, uh, another impressive night for her. One of many. Yeah. And I think on the Minnesota side, they don't get the the win, but I think a solid performance for Crystal Dangerfield after she didn't score in their last game. She comes out and she, I think, had 22 points and six assists. And then, I mean, they just, Seattle had no answer for Sylvia Fowles. She really went off in those first three quarters as well. So, yeah. Yeah, so the storm, right? They were looked like they were heading, you know, uh, halfway through this game, as we said, to being one and two, and we were going to really be uh, kind of scratching our heads. Um, what's your impression of the storm based on what you've seen uh, so far this team, this season? Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I think they still have a really good core, right? Like Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Store is a really, really solid duo of players and is going to get a lot done for them, I think, night in and night out. Stewie struggled some tonight, but she was fantastic in their first two games. Juliet was fantastic in their second game against Las Vegas, even though they lost. So they've got some solid pieces. I think we've also seen a pretty obvious hole with Seattle, though. They're just, they don't really have an answer at that starting center position right now. And I think you saw that Fowles exploited that today. I think you saw Kim Bage and Wilson exploit that in the second game against Vegas. So I think that's going to be a big question mark for them going into the season. And there's, there's teams that that's going to be fine against, but there's teams that are going to, that's going to be a big problem for them. And I I think that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on going through the season. I mean, as he has played good for them, but I don't know that she's fully plugging in that hole the way like Natasha Howard used to. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's tough when you're missing Howard and uh, Clark compared to last year. Yeah. As he, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of her, but she only played 12 and a half minutes. She was one of three from the field for two mm-hmm. points, two rebounds in those uh, 12 and a half minutes. So um, yeah. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, she's on quite a trajectory for her career, but it will certainly be interesting to see 
um, how she can perform over the course of the season and whether she'll be sort of the swing uh, kind of player in terms of whether the Storm can win the championship. Yeah, exactly. And she is so young, right? She's, I think, 21 years old still. Like, she's going to get a lot better. And it's definitely a good piece for the Storm to have. But I just don't know that she's, like, the immediate answer. And that's what I think, if they're going to win a championship here this year, they need a little bit more of an immediate answer. And we haven't really seen that from her. Or, I mean, I think this was the first game that Mercedes Russell played for them, but not there either. Right. I think that, I mean, it's important to keep in mind for Ezzy that uh, this is only her 25th game that she just finished, right? So in a normal year, she'd still be a rookie by that uh, measure. So plenty of time for her development. Uh, It's a long season, right? So I think that's one of uh, (laughs) the lessons. We're going to have that big break. Um, So, um, you know, there's still plenty of time for her game to develop over the course of the season. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's going to be something to keep an eye on with Seattle. But I think, I mean, my general theme of like this opening week is just like everything seems very unclear. There's lots of teams that have questions to answer. And uh, I mean, if you had told me at this point last week that today we'd be talking about the Connecticut Sun and the New York Liberty being tied for first place in the league, I would have been like, no, you can't be serious. So, but here we are. So, you know, (laughs) I think there's a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that has been the theme of the podcast for like literally the last six months, right? This, we were saying this the entire yeah. NCAA season as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, I mean, it takes a while to shake things out. And, you know, I try not to uh, overreact too much to the beginning of the season, right? Like, so the Lynx are 0-3, but they don't have the FISA. Um, you know, yeah, uh, as you said, New York is... Uh, three and oh but they beat indiana twice right and minnesota yeah. without defisa so you know there's plenty of you know i don't think either of those teams are going undefeated this season uh, <laughs> so um you know i really want to kind of reserve judgment to see how things happen and you know in particular i think who knows what things are going to change over the olympic break right so right. um i think it's going to feel like a completely different season and you know teams that were on a roll players that were on a roll you know, could end up sort of not at all being so after uh, when we get back. And really, it's ultimately going to be about who's peaking at the right time at the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. And I think ultimately a lot of the start is so many teams are missing key players that are still overseas or they have key players that are with the team, but they have like one practice, two practices with the team under their belt. And especially when you had such a big free agency year like you did this year, there's been so many changes on these teams. So they haven't had time to mesh yet, especially if you've only had your stars for one or two practices. So it's going to take a little bit for it all to come together. So I agree. I think it's it's too early to jump to any dramatic conclusions like I don't think the Liberty are going to all of a sudden win the championship because they won their first three games they look better than I expected but like I don't think my overall expectations change that much based on how these first you know few days of the season have gone (laughs) oh I don't I don't know mine are definitely uh a little bit higher right I'm not trying to jump them I think they're uh, too too high but I think the I think, yeah, yeah. And I think the, the you know, the, the Bayesian uh, in me, you know, says as we get new information, uh, you know, kind of adjust our expectations. And, you know, the more Sabrina plays like this, like, I mean, you know, it's just unbelievable. So, um, you know, if she can be as talented as she's been, you know, sustainably for the whole season, right? Normally, if a rookie starts off really hot, you'd be like, oh, you know, like, hey, they're a rookie. 
Um, that's great. Let's see, you know, it's a long season, but it's a bit of a grind. So, you know, she's not really a rookie, but at some level, right. Um, sort of almost is still. And so, you know, we don't know what to expect from her. We're going to have to see, you know, what Natasha Howard uh, looks like uh, there in New York. But I think, I mean, if, Sabrina can sustain this and Natasha Howard can play as well as we think she's capable of. I mean, then they're going to have, you know, two of the best players, uh, you know, not one necessarily one and two, right. But two of the top (laughs) players in the league. And so at that point, why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm tapering my expectations a little bit too, because two of those games have come against Indiana, which I think is a little bit easier to look really good against Indiana, but she did, Sabrina did have the triple double against Minnesota, granted a Minnesota without a pizza, but still a solid Minnesota team. So yeah, she looks like a really good player. Like you said, she's basically a rookie. She only played a handful of games last year. So it really kind of is like her rookie season. Um, So we'll see, you know, she might taper off some, but I think she's looking right now at least like the player that a lot of people expected her to be coming into the league. So that's really exciting for New York. They already look leaps and bounds better than they did last year. I mean, they've already surpassed their win total from last season. So that's something to celebrate. Yeah, right. They, um, hold on, I want to bring it up here, but uh, they yeah surpassed their win total, which I enjoyed uh, pointing out. And then, um, I mean, they're going to double up their win total um you know quite soon i think let's pull up their schedule here i haven't been playing close enough so they've got um they're playing washington right so again no deladon no uh meeseman's right still unsigned so who knows they're gonna play the sky uh then dallas and then they've got atlanta on the 29th so like you would kind of think they'd win at least one of those four games yeah if not two uh, so like i mean it's gonna be crazy it's, i'm gonna enjoy tracking that that they've you know uh got eight times the wins that they had last season or something like that finish <laughs> with 16. yeah and i mean it's exciting right especially for a team they've got a kind of a new face in sabrina they're in barclays so they're in new york they're in an exciting place it's exciting to see them doing well to start off the season yeah, yeah. Now you were at the Connecticut game. Uh, I guess that was on Sun. No, wait. Yeah, Sunday against Phoenix. Yep. Oh, right, right, right. So that, which was really their best win, right? Because they, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they won by more against Indiana, um, and I guess comparably for Atlanta in their opener. But I mean, Phoenix was sort of the best team they played, and, and they won the game. What are your impressions about Connecticut, um, having been there in person and just their three and zero start? Yeah, I think they look really good. I think I had a lot of questions going to the season, just how good can this team look without Alyssa Thomas because she's just such a big part of what they do. But, I mean, they get John Cole Jones back, which is just so huge, a player that was probably a favorite to be an MVP candidate going into last yes. season had she not decided to opt out. So, I mean, definitely as someone that you could call an MVP candidate for the season, just such a good player. And I think Kurt Miller said it kind of perfectly in the press conference on Sunday after the game, he was said, you know, you know, she's been out of sight, out of mind. So you forget how good she can be, but she really is such a huge piece to that organization. And then of course you pair that with Dewana Bonner in the front court. Like that's definitely one of the better front courts in the league. So that's been really solid. And then they beat that Phoenix team without Jasmine Thomas. Jasmine Thomas wasn't back in the lineup yet because she had just gotten back from overseas. So a really impressive win, I think, to get that done without her back on the court, too. And Natisha Heideman has been fantastic for them in these opening three games. So if they can keep that production from her off the bench with Jasmine Thomas back, that's going to be huge. 
Yeah, yeah. I've been a fan of hers, right, since college. She went to Marquette, right? Shout out yeah. to uh, Anonymous Eagle uh, out there mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I appreciate their, yeah, your support. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been great to see her. Her PER, right, is up to 21 Point six uh, so far this season. She's uh, let's see what is she shooting? Um, yeah, she's shooting forty two percent from three on six threes per game. Uh, fifty one, you know, fifty seven percent on twos, which is quite impressive mm-hmm. uh, as well. So um, yeah, and two point seven steals. So I'm definitely. Uh, it's been fun to watch her play, and yeah, I absolutely bringing up John Claude Jones. I thought, I hope that people that follow the league closely didn't forget about her. I know that I <laughs> certainly did. Cause I thought she would have been an MVP candidate last year. Had she been able to play. And so, yeah, at some level you could sort of argue that, you know, losing Thomas, but picking up Jones is kind of neutral. Right. I think. Right. So, you know, it's on the order of neutral. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I mean, I think John Claude Jones is typically, more and more recently, right, finished ahead of Alyssa Thomas mm-hmm. in the uh, um, MVP voting, right? So, um, you know, you would think that that could kind of be neutral, and then it depends on how everybody else is playing, right? Brianna Jones, uh, someone that that I'm personally a fan of, and she's got uh, 11 points and uh, not quite six rebounds a game, so that's good for them. And, yeah, everyone seems to be playing well, right? So they're at Phoenix. Uh, what day did that? I just saw that. Uh, the 21st, tomorrow. which is oh, Friday night, nice. right? When oh, people, today, when this comes out. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say. So that'll be in tra- it's an away game. So we'll see if uh, Phoenix can get their revenge. And, uh, but yeah, no, definitely, you know, Connecticut's uh, well positioned. And again, I think that, you know, it's going to take a while. It's going to be a topsy turvy season. And, you know, how teams are performing now, it's going to feel like an eternity ago when, when we're getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, but I'm I'm excited to see kind of how that evolves for them. JJ is just so good. And their front court is so interesting because you have like Dunkel Jones and Dewana Bonner that are such good front court players and so good in the paint, but they also can both step out and take the threes. So mm. it's just the spacing, like you really have to guard them everywhere on the floor. And even when you have Brianna Jones in the mix, having all three of them in the front court, it doesn't get too crowded because they can do that. It's it's definitely an interesting rotation. Uh, yeah, I'm sort of, I mean, naively, like, I'm not even sure I, I think of Bonner as a front court player, right? I think of her as, I guess, like a wing, right? Because of her ability to yeah, step I guess she's so. got the, the, length, yeah. the length as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think she's super exciting. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she's shooting crazy uh, 60% oh, yeah. from three so far this season, as is John Quill Jones. And, you know, it's not an insignificant number of, you know, uh, Bonner's nine for fifteen from deep. John Quill Jones is six and ten, so um, it's not. Uh, that's that's not, that's not like three attempts or anything, right? So obviously that's probably not going to be their season averages, and so it'll be interesting to see how Connecticut uh, plays as they settle down. But it's your point, right? They haven't really had Jasmine Thomas right. uh, super effective. She's only played twenty minutes in the one game this season, uh, so you know I think uh, I think they're they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, for sure. And it was also just exciting to be back in an arena. This is the first time I've been in, in an arena since December. I went and covered one UConn men's game this year. So I was in the arena once during the college season. But yeah, I mean, I mean just to be back in the press box. They do have fans at the Sun game right now. It was just, I think, 2,000 on, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And the arena holds about 10,000. I'm guessing that will be going up in the near future. Connecticut is going, actually, is already as of yesterday every, there's no more restrictions in, in Connecticut in terms of capacity going crazy 
yeah, I feel like I, it went Husky's from gone wild. <laughs> very quickly here. <laughs> but yeah. that, that not hitting the nutmeg hard, right? So the nutmeg <laughs> state, right? That's Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I do. Think uh, we'll what was it like though to be in the arena? Like, was it super exciting? Were you just kind of like, was it like whoa to see two thousand people there, or were you just kind of like just so excited to be there? Um, like did the crowd roar feel like, like it was a real roar or what was kind of just the experience like for people like me that have been missing out? Yeah. I mean, it did feel like the fans were loud. I think what they're doing right now is it's just season ticket holders. So it's definitely people that are really passionate about the team, which I think mm. adds to that noise effect. It is weird. Like I know like 2000 people is a lot of people, but 2000 people in an arena that size doesn't really look like a lot of people, right? It looks kind of empty. So that part's a little weird. I'm looking forward to where it's more like a full arena just because it still feels a little weird. Not as weird as when I went to the men's game back in December and there were literally no fans. So that, that was a much weirder experience. Um, mm. But it was and good. Were to you be like back. navigating the concourse to try and stay six feet away from people or whatever as you were walking to get a hot dog or something? They have us all up in the press suite, so it's up above the court. And also, we I wasn't really, like, around any of the fans or anything. And I'm fully vaccinated now, so I'm less worried. But, um, yeah, it was good to just see everyone else, too, from the media, people that I usually run into pretty often that I haven't seen in over a year at this point. So that was good and good to just yeah. – most of us – I feel like in Connecticut's done a really good job about vaccination, so most people are really fully vaccinated. So it makes it feel pretty comfortable. So what would you say was your dominant emotion as you were driving home? Were you just like, oh, that was cool? Or like, oh, I can't believe I got to go, go to a game or kind of what? Uh, what do you think as you were reflecting on it that night? I feel like I can't believe I got to go to a game. Like it's so off. Everything like reopening definitely feels a little bit surreal right now. Like I'm very excited to be moving back towards normal, but it, it feels weird for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wonder what it'll feel like for your uh, your next one, right? If it'll feel more normal uh, or whether uh, it'll still take a while, right? Because, I mean, I imagine, um, you know, I mean, I'm still wearing masks when I go to the grocery store yeah. and stuff. New Jersey still has, I think New Jersey still has a mask mandate. Certainly a lot of the stores do. Um, and I feel good about that, even though I'm fully vaccinated because uh, right. I have a son at home that is not. And so I'm just being extra, extra cautious. But um, so, yeah, so if you're go still going masked to the grocery store in Connecticut and then you go to the arena, I just wonder if it'll be what it'll be like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're still wearing, I'm, at least I'm still wearing masks at arena. I think just on some policies, you still have to wear masks in the arena. Things are starting to change on that front here as well. But I've still been wearing one just to be extra safe. It feels like it's not that much of an inconvenience to just wear one, even though I am fully vaccinated. So. <laughs> And uh, could you see how often from where your seat was, Kurt uh, Miller was pulling down his, uh, or Sandy Berdella was pulling down their mask? <laughs> I wasn't paying super close attention to that, but I'm sure it was probably just as often as every other coach in the country. So it is what it is. <laughs> I will say I enjoyed his, uh, was it like a Twitter video or something where he's talking about um, how he couldn't wear a shirt uh, on the court side this year, but uh, he was still repping them uh, pregame. Yeah, <laughs> not sure why they will just let him wear it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, going back to controlling things, I guess, a little bit more. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's been cool to see the the WNBA's. You know, I, I feel we, we didn't really say we were going to talk about this as we were briefly chatting before we started, but yeah, I feel like the WNBA marketing is going pretty well. You know, I saw 
you know, obviously the Google celebration or whatever, when you Google WNBA the other day, I have to check to see if that's still um, active now, but that was pretty cool. The um, new hoodies, right. That are like a QR code. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of NBA players wearing WNBA shirts it was looked pretty coordinated for, warm-ups uh over the weekend so i've been pretty impressed with that the one thing that i did wish was that it was an off night for the nba on monday which is also a typical wnba so i wish they would have you know seized that moment there to get a good wnba matchup uh that wasn't against an nba game to try and catch some of the nba fans that were looking for something to watch yeah, I think it can also be hard just being up against playoffs or NBA. Like people, if people are invested in basketball, they're probably invested in the playoffs right now. So, yeah, that's tricky. But hopefully, I mean, the numbers have still been good, right? Opening weekend was up like twenty five percent from last year, and last year's numbers were really good. So it's definitely a positive sign. So. Yeah, it's slowly growing, right? Or it's growing. It's off mm-hmm. of a small base. I am. Uh excited to see that i'm a little more cautious perhaps yeah. than just the one headline number um because it'll be i think it'll be really interesting to see how sustainable that really is right i haven't mm-hmm. seen the numbers for tuesday's game yet they probably yeah. came out today that we should have checked for that and um uh you know ultimately really what you know how it compares to you know we saw with the ncaa there was a lot of growth early like that um uconn iowa game right on the was yeah. that on a saturday um yeah. did really really well but then for the final four i think the growth was nine or ten percent which is still quite good especially mm-hmm. in a market where a lot of other stuff is seeing decline but i just don't want people to get too far ahead of themselves and you know think we're going crazier than uh than bitcoin or whatever <laughs> uh, so uh you know slow and steady right i think we don't want to get ahead of ourselves as a community and i think that's why the league has been cautious about expansion although i feel like we've heard a little bit of positive signals right but it was interesting i don't know if you've had a chance yet to listen to van chancellor talking about um talking to our john little on our podcast on monday i would strongly encourage people who haven't to go back and listen to that it's really interesting to hear his tales from uh the early years as coach at the comets and just kind of what it was like to be a part of the wnba uh at uh at start and uh yeah right you even saw it in that cool graphic that abc did on saturday how there was like huge amounts of expansion and then it really kind of paired back and so i think you know we, we need to be a little bit cautious and about growing too fast and just making sure that really it is sustainable and we're not for because there would be nothing worse or well i mean there'd be stuff suffers but you know it'd be pretty uh demoralizing if um you know we anticipate a ton of growth and then actually we have to pair back even more so i'm i'm optimistic right i think that there's it's you know you never know i'm sure just about everybody listening to this podcast is probably in the wnba women's basketball uh bubble right and so to us it feels like there's growth but i mean there's no doubt that when you're seeing 25 percent growth from compared to last season that um that's a good thing and you know hopefully it'll just continue to to stick through the whole season and we'll see that even in the finals as well yeah, and I agree with your point, right? For expansion, it is, it's a big investment, so it needs to be the right time. There has been some positive, I think, indications from Kathy Engelbert that it's probably coming in the next few years. And I think people are getting antsy because you see players this year like Lexi Brown and Leisha Killard and now that have been waived from their teams and their players that have clearly like shown that they can play at this level, right? So 
I think that's getting people antsy for expansion, but it has to be done smartly. I, I think, think that's, that's true. Smart. That's more another place where I'm a little contrarian, right? Is I, I mean, I really think that, you know, ultimately, like the if they should be in the league, like someone should cut someone and and pick them up, right? I mean, there's nothing uh, stopping that from happening. Clarendon, it might play out over a little bit of time mm-hmm. because. Um, you know, we've got our salary sheets up for the season and we're working to update them as they get confirmed uh, kind of well-sourced information. Um, so her contract was protected. So she's still going to get her hundred and twenty, I believe it's $120,000 uh, this season. Uh, so I think she'll clear waivers tomorrow if no one picks her up. She was cut on Wednesday. She was waived on Wednesday. And I believe teams have two days. So I think it would therefore by Friday at five, we'll know whether someone claimed her. Um, and let go of another unprotected player or, 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 um, you know, she's going to be available to sign for, you know, a minimum or whatever with a different team, but you know, there's definitely, you know, teams are making choices, right? It's not Liberty cut her in particular. And, you know, I, you know, obviously she's, um, institution might be a little strong. Right. But I mean, she's, you know, a veteran player that was showing leadership, but she wasn't getting on the floor. And I mean, I understand uh, from a basketball standpoint, why they, you could make that choice. So, I mean, especially um, Sabrina's averaging. I haven't pulled this up here yet. Let me see if I can grab this here while we're talking. Um, normally I talk fast, but I'll talk slow. <laughs> yeah, right. Sabrina's averaging 35 minutes a game, right? So right. Um, they're definitely going to miss having a strong backup point guard, right? But if it's only really five minutes, then, you know, and, and they had to cut someone with right. uh, Howard coming back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from a business perspective and from what the rotation has looked like, it makes sense. It's just, or they get picked up somewhere else. I think that's very possible, but we'll see what yeah, happens yeah. over the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah. And obviously she's an amazing person and, and, and has been a real asset to the league, I think, overall. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, ultimately we'll see. Uh, it's, it's, you know, with really less than 144 spots due to the salary cap this season, um, you know, it's an unforgiving league as far as, uh, you know, needing to be able to get out there and, and perform. And sometimes it is about finding the right situation. And so maybe, right. um, Clarendon will end up kind of finding a spot that, that better fits her for the, uh, the season. Yeah, exactly. It's not only just about these teams keeping like the best players available. It's the best players that fit within their system. I mean, like it doesn't matter if you have all the best players if all you have is point guards, for example. So if you've got yeah, this, sis- system and timeline, right? I mean, they're right. such a young team. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that if you're making that trade off that you might go young and, and let someone who's been let the veteran uh, release the veteran instead. Exactly. All things being equal. Yeah. And I mean, from a cap space point too, right? I mean, hers will stay on the books because it is protected, but 120K versus a rookie scale contract is a very different situation in terms of cap space. Yeah. I mean, actually, it makes it a bolder move really for the Liberty because they're not getting any relief, um, right? Whereas if they were to let a unprotected contract go, then they would have been, uh, you know, not had to pay that money. So uh, it doesn't really save them money to cut her. Um, it, it would if someone claimed her, then they, then they wouldn't be responsible for it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately they're just kind of focusing on their future. Right. And so they must've sort of felt that there were, uh, you know, better options on the floor for the future, you know, 2021 and beyond than Clarendon. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, you know, again, she's been kind of, you know, if you look at some of her stats, they haven't been, 
you know, off the charts, uh, right. amazing, right? She's been she's been good. She's definitely had her moments. She was strong, I think, in was it twenty nineteen, right? Um, for the sun, yeah. Yeah. So and even for the liberty, I think, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, she averaged. Uh, yeah, she though no, she played well last year in the time she played. I think she was uh, a little rougher. Um, you know, she only averaged six points for Connecticut in 2019, mm-hmm. um, you know, five points in 2018. But then when she was in Atlanta, right, she averaged 10 and 10 and also had, right. you know, six assists and 3.5. So, again, there's no doubt that uh, she's she's talented, that they're talented. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So hopefully they'll end up somewhere else um, and we'll get to see you back on the floor. Yeah. And I feel like last year, I forget the exact number, but it was on the order of like 165 players played in the league. Right. So there's definitely, I remember Erica McCall, right, was cut and then came back. So um, he's been playing great for the Mystics, by the way. Yeah. 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 So Clarendon's story is not over for the season, mm-hmm. I don't think. Agreed. Agreed. So. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, but I think that's been a big part of why there's been so much antsiness about expansion over the last couple of weeks. And I mean, I think yeah. people see the writing in the sand going forward too, right? Like there's all these talented players in college that are coming in the next few years that you know are going to find their way into the league as well. So there's only so much room. Yeah, it'll be interesting though um, if we, if the league does expand, right? And then you have to spread out ultimately in the long term, right. spread out the most talented players across more teams, right? And so you'll have mm-hmm. more situations that are a little more of a big two than a big three kind of kind of model, right. right? Yeah, exactly. Which will be interesting to see how that all works out when it does happen. Probably not. A good I I think it'll mean less. <laughs> less dynasties it'll be more like this where it feels so up in the air because right. all kinds of teams will uh you know you're obviously way too old to play to have played nba jam back in the day right but if all kinds of teams have great um top two players it's gonna be super it's a lot of a lot of parody you know anyone can beat anyone uh on any given sunday or whatever and uh um you know it'll be fun to watch the uncertainty and then it's the whole question about do leagues like having, you know, is it better for leagues to have that kind of parody and uncertainty or is it better to have kind of a couple dominant teams that keep the storylines going? Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, it's getting late East Coast time. So should we wrap it up talking a little bit about some of the new stuff that came to the hoops that's the site in the last week with the start of the season as well? So new season. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, really, I mean, I think since the, kind of point of the WNBA we've had it for a while but our salary cap information um you know we've had going really since the start of uh free agency in January so um that's a place where people can go to look and understand you know who's on the roster what their salaries are whether they're going to be free agents in the future and kind of try to map out you know what sort of moves would happen right it was I mean, there were definitely surprises in free agency, but you could see that it was going to be hard for certain teams to keep all their players, you know, even before free agency really kicked in. So that's been going for a while. And we're kind of, as I said, steadily updating that. Um, Our newest feature that I'm really uh, excited about is our charting tools. So that's in our research section. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to play with it much, but, you know, we do recognize that so many of uh, so many of our web pages really, uh, I, I like to call them eye charts, right? They're just tables of numbers, which, you know, we do our best to make them stand out and kind of make the meaning um, pretty apparent or as apparent as it can be uh, on first glance. But, you know, we also love having those visuals of what things look like. So now it's really easy 
to plot, um, you know, either team stats or player stats. Um, in particular, you can plot things like points per game scored uh, versus points allowed per game. And so it becomes really easy to see who's strong offensively, but weak defensively um, and, and vice versa. You can look for players, uh, you know, plotting things like who uh, points per game versus rebounds per game, or you can plot um, advanced stats as well to see how correlated those are. Um, and so, you know, it's really a fun way. We've got it for both WNBA and NCAA. Um, and we think it's something that people are going to be able enjoy using and kind of using articles they're writing or, you know, tweeting out uh, points. You know, we're hoping that uh, our subscribers uh, kind of use that tool pretty effectively. Have you uh, dug into that one much? Uh, yeah, I've been playing around with it a little bit. I'm working on something over on the UConn blog on UConn stats for the season. So it's been fun for me to play with. Going good, that, good, so. good. Yeah, you've been looking right at the UConn players <laughs> in the WNBA, right? Or are you talking about an NCAA article? I'm talking about an NCAA article, but yeah, I'm also looking at every week the UConn players in the league. So it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that's been fun. And that's really just the tip of the iceberg, right? We're doing, trying to do a lot more uh, data visualizations, which I think people are going to really enjoy. Yeah. Um, you know, we have that tool uh, during the whole off season where you could plot people's salaries versus stats to kind of understand what the going rate seemed to be for different uh, statistics in terms of like how much teams were playing per kind of point per game or something like that, or per win share. Um, to try and get a sense about whether they maybe kind of from a statistical pr perspective seem to have overpaid or underpaid. So I think it's a good way to kind of quickly um, and intuitively kind of understand what's going on there. So so that's been a big, that was a lot of effort. And like I said, now that we've kind of got that in place, we can move on to adding in um, other kinds of charts, which I think hopefully will roll out uh, relatively soon. But then the other thing that we've also kind of set the stage for, we've, we've put together a schedule page, so nothing too dramatic, right? But it's just a nice, easy way to kind of look at who's playing each day. And then that's going to be where we can put our predictions and stuff up, which we're actively working on to uh, kind of have, you know, models kind of game by game, uh, just like we had for the NCA season. So we can say, um, you know, like tonight was uh, Seattle, Minnesota, right? And so we could mm -hmm. have what we thought the odds were um for for that game before tip off yeah so definitely keep an eye out for that that'll be exciting when that's there as well i definitely enjoyed having that for the tournament for ncaa so it'll be exciting to have it for the w yeah you know we we haven't released it yet because i want to make sure we're getting it right i mean that's right. you know part of our philosophy right is we're not trying to just rush things out and there, there's some other cool features i don't want to tease them too much uh but i think you will enjoy them because uh you know we appreciate the support everybody um, gives us, it's been, uh, you know, it's really gratifying. People are subscribing to the site again, it's just $20 a year. And, you know, there are, you know, WNBA.com has definitely gotten a lot better in particular over the course, uh, while we've, since we've launched back in 2017. Uh, so I appreciate people kind of choosing to, you know, spend the $20 again, it's only $20 a year. It gets you WNBA and NCAA stats and, and really it helps make us sustainable so that we can keep working on it, keep improving, keep, um, you know, helping, you know, as, as we say, right, unlocking better insight about the game for the whole uh, the whole women's basketball community, because, you know, we're not running ads on this podcast, right? We don't charge for our newsletter. And, you know, it's a tremendous amount of time that you and, and the rest of the team, people that names people probably recognize people that are working a little more behind the scenes on the technical work. And, uh, you know, sort of by subscribing, not only are you kind of getting the personal benefit, uh, of what we offer on the site, but you're also helping um, kind of make it possible for other people to contribute.
Yeah, definitely. So we appreciate everyone that's subscribing. You're helping fund all these fun things that we're doing, like the newsletter and listening to me talk to you every week. So um. <laughs> it is fun to listen to you talk every week. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, the podcast. Um, we've had a lot of great guests. I've been, you know, obviously uh, all the podcasts you do, uh, aside from the ones that I'm on, uh, I enjoy very much. And, uh, you know, Gabe and Christy have uh, been doing the Courtside with Christy podcast on Wednesdays. John's been having some great interviews uh, earlier in the week. And I know he's got some exciting things planned from a podcast perspective. So definitely, you know, spread the word too about the podcast and then, you know, our newsletter uh, subscriber base is growing again, it's a free newsletter. Um, so people can sign up or typically kind of writing, you know, on the order of one article a day. So it's typically about five articles per week. Um, and so, you know, we got lots of great stuff. Gabe's been doing his WNBA minute on, uh, social media for us uh, most mornings, which I, people have really been enjoying. So it's really, it's really exciting. I mean, it is kind of uh, crazy when you reflect back on kind of where we start, you know, the classic, like how we started, how's it going or however that meme goes, uh, you know, to think back to what we were doing in 2017. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, it was, you know, I'd say my personal highlight rate of the season, there've been a lot of great plays on the court, but, you know, appreciated getting uh, some shout outs during like the, uh, I guess that was the ESPN game on Tuesday, right? The Storm mm -hmm. Aces game. So that was pretty cool. And um, and yeah, it's just really nice to see people using the site. And, uh, you know, you know, you see it on Twitter, right? One of the things I enjoy the most is seeing when people are finding insights that we haven't uh, kind of plumbed the depth of our site to uh, find ourselves. <laughs> so I always enjoy retweeting those. You'll, you'll see that we typically are uh, retweeting kind of stuff that other people are finding on our site as well. So. Yeah, so make sure you're subscribed to the site and also following us on social because you'll see everything about the podcast, the newsletter, all that stuff will come through on, on all our social channels. So make sure you're subscribing to all that stuff as well. Well, thanks, yeah. Aaron, for, for joining me this week. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, congratulations on going to your first uh, WNBA game in, uh, I guess, two years, right? <laughs> and uh, I hope it's going to be one of many uh, in 2021. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And again, thanks everybody for listening to us. Uh...